This is The Stick, brought to you by ThinkSlinger.org. And I'm your host, Jimmy Flame Daddy. Yeah! Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm pretty excited today. Looks like we're going to have a baseball season after all. A 60-game season. And that makes me happy. As I've said to friends and in past podcasts, my new year is literally opening day with a lot of other baseball fanatics, I guess. (laughs) But yeah, my new year happens on opening day. That's when the year starts for me. Opening day, that glorious day, the, the first pitch, all that good stuff. That's when my life resets, and that's when my year actually begins. Not way back in January, not with any partying or anything like that, not after the holidays. No, it's opening day. With this pandemic not winding down, hopefully the Major League Baseball season, as short as it's going to be, is going to bring a semblance of normalcy to all of us. Now, I've been following the KBO. I've become quite the fan of the NC Dinos. I love their mascot, Swole Daddy. Make sure you go over to thinkslinger.org and see the article that I wrote about Swole Daddy. Basically, just posing the question, is Swole Daddy the coolest mascot in baseball? I said yes, but I don't want to give away the whole article. No spoilers here, but just go there and check it out for yourself. I make a pretty good case, I think. But anyhow, (laughs) I wanted to take uh, the, the first half of this show to, I think I'm going to start um, sharing these uh, these cool stories that I'm coming across as I research baseball. I kind of do that, as you know, um, as a, it's a it's a thing of passion for me to research baseball, and I always come across like these cool stories, like just phenomenal tales, <laughs> some true, some not, some half true. I don't know, but I always try to go out of my way to at least verify uh, if there's a, a kernel of truth in some of the crazier ones. And and I came across this story. It's about a ball player named Andy Euler. And you can also go over to thinkslinger.org and check that article out as well. But uh, Andy Euler, his famous home run. And I titled the article, Remember the Blast. Andy Euler's famous home run. And I don't know if you can tell by my voice how sarcastic I'm being with the title. (laughs) I'll just throw, I'll just tell you straight up. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic with the title. (laughs) But nevertheless, so it goes a little something like this. Uh, Ever since Babe Ruth launched Major League Baseball into the live ball era with his majestic home runs, stunned fans have been asking, how far did that ball go? Just how far did that ball go? Teams had their own formulas for estimating home run distance for over a century. But since 2015, StatCast has given us a whole new tool to answer the question more accurately, thanks to the tracking technology at every major league park. Now this gets me to this hilarious story. (laughs) And the whole tongue-in-cheekness of it, I guess. Um, But real quick... uh, One of one home run from baseball's past leaves little debate. 
It's not Mickey Mantle's moonshot that allegedly traveled 600 feet. No, it's not. I'm sorry, but a picture of a uh, of a picture of a picture <laughs> with a dotted arrow drawn in and and uh, an estimate um of where the ball hit on top of like the estimated distance that seat you know uh, was to home plate versus like some kind of weird measurement uh, used to to allege that Mickey Mantle hit a ball 600 feet. No, it's not that one. Uh, it's not even the one hit by Dick Allen that became space trash. Although NASA did recently confirm that it's still orbiting the planet. The one I'm uh, referring to didn't even leave the infield. And that brings me to Mr. Andy Euler. Andy Euler bashed a two foot home run way back in 1905. Yes, you heard me correctly. A two foot home run. And this is all the way back in 1905. He was batting for the Minneapolis Millers during a soggy home, home game versus St. Paul when an inside fastball hit his bat, fisted it, so to speak, and it shot straight down into the mud. And from the book Long Ball, The Legend and Lore of the Home Run, it described it as, quote, torrential rains had soaked the field the night before and the ball disappeared into the mud two feet in front of home plate. Euler was the only man in the park who knew where the ball was and he started running the first, then the second, then the third, while the St. Paul players searched in vain for the baseball. End quote. And continuing the story, Euler rounded third with a huge smile on his face, completing a home run on a swing that placed the ball 24 inches from home plate. It's launch angle. You guys know about launch angles, right? Whatever the craze that is that all the stat heads and saber metrics guys are talking about. Anyhow, it's launch angle was later projected by me to be about negative 40 degrees. I mean, who knows how deep into the mud it went? I don't think StatCast could predict or estimate uh, the, the, the sink into the mud anyway. So anyhow, believe it or not, Euler's blast isn't the only infield home run ever recorded. And the craziest thing it happened with the same team. In 1917, Minneapolis slogged through yet another wet doubleheader in Virginia, Minnesota. And according to the Minneapolis Journal, center, uh, quote, center field flies in deep water went for two base hits. Basically, they went for doubles, right? Heinberger got credit for a home run in the second game when his hard hit ball got lost in the mire near second base and he made the circuit before it was recovered. End quote. I believe those are the only two home runs in professional baseball history to occur in the infield that were at least recorded by some sort of reliable source. Now, I've heard legends and all that other stuff of other instances of this happening, but uh, nothing that I've been able to verify. But anyhow, Andy Euler. <laughs> Smashes a ball straight into the ground. I mean, how hard do you got to hit that ball? I get it. Like mud gets soft, etc. I've played in mud, but I've never played in mud that was so sloshy and thick that you could lose a ball in it. And I've played in some pretty sloshy weather before. <laughs> Nevertheless, as for Euler, he eventually reached the majors and he hit one home run for the Baltimore Orioles. And it was a blast that I assume traveled more than two feet. Alright folks, 
Give me a couple seconds here to pay the bills. I'll be right back. Stay tuned for more hilarity or whatever it is I decide to talk about. I don't know. Anyhow, stick around. I'll be right back. Welcome back. This is The Stick, presented by ThinkSlinger.org, and I'm your host, Jim Flame, baby. And we were talking about Andy Euler, at least I was talking about him anyway, telling you the funny story about Andy Euler and his infield home run that traveled a whopping 24 inches with an exit velocity, or an, uh, a launch angle, rather, of... Negative 40 degrees is what I estimated it to be. And that's by going, uh, and that's going by the accounts. I wonder what that exit, what his exit velocity was. I mean, it had to be a little bit. Let's say, I don't know, let's ballpark it. Uh, conjecture says 87 miles an hour off the fist, right? <laughs> Who knows? But I'm going to go ahead and just... <laughs> In this last segment, stick with it. Stick with that. Just, uh, you know, crazy, funny stories that I've learned uh, in baseball. Just some funny facts, things like that that I've learned throughout the years. I haven't done a show like that in a while, so I figure I'm just going to stick with the theme because that's pretty crazy, right? Andy Euler hitting a two-foot-long home run. I mean, imagine the hilarity of it. I mean, you got to laugh at something like that. Even if you're on the other team, who were they, who were they playing? They were playing, uh, it was the uh, Minneapolis Millers versus St. Paul. So even if you were the catcher of St. Paul, you have to find humor in that. Like seriously, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's do some, some odd baseball facts that are just way too strange to be made up. And I'll start with uh, perhaps one of the more famous ones, which is Doc Ellis's no-hitter while he was apparently on LSD. Won't really get into that too much because there's an entire documentary on that, and it is freaking amazing. It's right up there with the Battered Bastards of Baseball, which is another amazing documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's about the Portland Mavericks of the, uh, of the, of the mid to late 1970s. Um, wonderful independent baseball team in that documentary really brings to life almost a bygone era because there's not, I mean, there's, there's some independent leagues, but this was an independent baseball team that played very competitively in the minor leagues. And that stuff was pretty, I mean, because of the Portland Mavericks, I mean, it is pretty much impossible to start an independent team without um, without it being like a dues paying league or something like that, but just having an entrepreneur start a team from scratch. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost unheard of. If I ever win the lottery or something like that, you can bet your, you can bet your butt that one of the things that I would do to splurge a little would be to start my own freaking professional baseball team, regardless of how long it lasts. It would just be fun. But anyhow, yeah, check out Battered Bachelors of Baseball and the Doc Ellis documentary. Back to what we were talking about, some odd baseball facts that are just way too strange to be made up. Here's one. When Jimmy Pearsall hit his 100th home run in 1963, he ran the bases in the correct order, but facing backwards to celebrate. So he ran the bases backwards, but in the right order. 
<laughs> I thought that was I always thought that was pretty funny. Babe Ruth's top salary was only eighty thousand dollars. Now I know you're saying, "Oh, it's only eighty thousand. What are you talking about? I don't even make that much now." Um, when you adjust it for inflation, that's the equivalent of about just a little over a million dollars a year in today's money, which is approximately what a middle reliever makes in the major leagues. Think about that. But then again, you go back to that era. It's like nobody was even making anything close to $80,000. So I guess relativity is important there. During World War II, the U.S. military designed a grenade to be about the size and weight of a baseball since, quote, any young American man should be able to properly throw it. Okay, (laughs) this makes sense. Uh, A lot of you know about pitcher Jim Abbott. He was born without a right hand and had a season or a career that lasted 10 seasons, uh, including throwing a no hitter for the New York Yankees versus Cleveland back in 1993. I remember seeing that when it happened. It was just, just amazing. Uh, What an amazing guy too. Jim Abbott, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Richardson won the world series MVP in 1960 after hitting 367 with 12 RBIs. That's pretty amazing, right? Well, the only problem is he played for the losing team. Congratulations, Bobby Richardson. (laughs) And did you know that bank robber John Dillinger was once a professional second baseman? Although he never made it to the major leagues, he's played some pretty darn good minor league ball, um, and the rest is history. We all know what happened to him. Getty Lee from the band Rush had a huge collection of autographed baseballs from the Negro Leagues. He uh, donated over 200 balls to the museum back in 2008, which is pretty cool. You can go to the, muse- to the Negro Leagues Museum in Kansas City. It's pretty awesome. So if you ever get a chance to check it out, like that and the, the Professional Baseball Hall of Fame should be on your list. They are both, um, they're both amazing places to go. Ralph Kiner is the only player ever to lead the league in homers for seven years in a row, and it was his first seven years as a major league player. And there is an actual minor league baseball team named after the Springfield Isotopes of the Simpsons fame on the episode Hungry, Hungry Homer. They're the Albuquerque Isotopes, and they have a cool looking hat. (laughs) Many major major league ball players, uh, past and present, um, they include Moises Alou, Jorge Posada, Kerry Wood, etc., have admitted that they pee on their own hands during baseball season. To toughen their grip. I don't know if I could recommend that, but. <laughs> oh, there I go. I accidentally left my phone's. Whatever you call it on. Anyhow, I just turned it off. Okay, so no more interruptions. <laughs> that was Loose Towers, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, he's, uh, I just got done editing and producing his show. Check it out, Lunch with Legends. It's also available through Anchor. If you go to Anchor, look up Lunch with Legends, Lou Stowers with a L-E-W. Check out his show. It's freaking awesome. He interviews like literal like living legends from uh, the baseball world and other sports worlds as well. So far, it's been all baseball. And he, uh, it, it's a wonderful podcast. Check it out. It's way better than mine. But if you enjoy mine, or well, therefore, if you enjoy mine, you're definitely going to enjoy his. <laughs> In his very first bat as a 28-year-old rookie pitcher, Hall of Famer Hoyt Wilhelm hit a home run. 
His career lasted for 21 more years and 493 plate appearances, but he never did hit another home run. That was pretty neat. At a 1978 Texas Rangers-Baltimore Orioles game, George Doc Medic, who had been a medical student at the University of Pittsburgh before becoming a professional ball player, saved the life of a fan in the stands who was suffering from a heart attack. Awesome. Johnny Bench could hold 12 balls in one hand. I'm kidding. The legend says seven. I've uh, seen pictures of that. Apparently, he could, be, he could hold more if needed. I know that um, there's these funny commercials out now for some kind of like burning rub or whatever that Johnny Bench is peddling on television where he holds a bunch of those cans in his hand. And yet, nevertheless, Johnny Bench could hold seven balls in one hand. That's pretty neat. The world's largest publicly available collection of baseball cards is housed at the Met- Metropolitan Museum of Art. It has over 31,000. Which seems like a, kind of a small number because I might even know some people who might have more cards than that. <laughs> Let's see here. According to Bill James, Sonny Jim Bottomley requested a cow when his fans wanted to give him a retirement present. They obliged, and he named the cow Fielder's Choice. And he took it to his farm. (laughs) And if you go over to thinkslinger.org, I have an entire article uh, written about Jackie Mitchell. Jackie Mitchell is a 17-year-old female pitcher for the AA Chattanooga Lookouts, who back in the day once played the New York Yankees in an exhibition game and struck out both Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig in succession that story has been verified like over and over again. I think it's awesome. 17 year old Jackie Mitchell. Um, apparently, uh, um, she had a mean curveball. And one of the reasons why she was signed was because of her curveball and also uh, for this exhibition because there was kind of like, there were like these little wagers going around, going around saying, oh, I bet you that girl Jackie Mitchell can strike these guys out. You know what? And she did it. I think it's a freaking awesome story. So if you go to thinkslinger.org, look that story up. Jackie Mitchell, ladies and gentlemen. In the mid-1800s, you could be put out between bases by having the ball thrown directly at you. It was called soaking. Players were resistant when the rule was changed. Uh, Patching or soaking, as it was known, was an important and masculine part of the game. That's funny. There was resistance does that rule change? Just think like we have resistance to rule changes now. It's like, I'm freaking out that the National League is going to have a DH, but whatever. There's nothing I can do about it. So I'm still going to watch baseball, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the DH rule anyway. Ricky Henderson walked 796 times in his career when he was leading off an inning. That's more times just leading off in an inning than Lou Brock, Roberto Clemente, Luis Aparicio, Ernie Banks, Kirby Puckett, or Ryan Sandberg walked in their entire friggin' careers. <laughs> That's pretty nuts. <laughs> Let's do a couple more. Let's say the first baseball uniforms apparently were worn by the Knickerbockers in 1849 and included straw hats. <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> straw hats. Not the baseball uniform part that got me. It's the straw hats. I'm just picturing these guys playing baseball in straw hats. I don't know. Maybe on a real throwback day, we can do that sometime. <laughs> uh, let's see. Raleigh Fingers grew his 
iconic handlebar mustache because A's owner, Charlie Finley, good old Charlie Finley, offered his players cash for growing a mustache by Father's Day as part of a stunt. Fingers actually got a $300 bonus for going the mustache as well as $100 for a jar of mustache wax. And he ended up keeping it. And it was, it was his signature, right? <laughs> and finally, uh, this one's just one of those neat things. This is like not an unbelievable tale that you could never make up. This is something everyone knows. Cal Ripken Jr. played in 2,632 consecutive games from 1982 to 1998. I wonder if anyone's ever going to break that record. I sure don't think so. And. All right, just one more. Actually, let's do two more. Uh, a curveball thrown on Mars would become a screwball and hitters would have the advantage since balls would also travel almost three times as far. I don't know if you know anything about the screwball. Basically, the screwball breaks in the opposite direction of a curve uh, curveball. Um, I read this awesome book by Christy Mathewson, who is one of the first people to really throw a screwball in a professional game with consistency. He was kind of known for it. And just the way he explained how he had to snap his wrist, how, they, how he had to pronate it to the outside in order to get that reverse spin on the ball to get it to break the opposite way is just crazy. I mean, I've tried throwing that pitch and I have not figured it out. If, maybe if I did, I could... <laughs> I'd be a major leaguer. I don't know. <laughs> and let's see. Let's see if I can find one more. One more interesting fact. Fact. Here's a cool one. Joe Sewell only struck out three times during the entire 1930 season. Two of them were in the same game. Now, you might think that he only batted a few times to get that set, but no, he went to the plate 353 times. That's more than enough to qualify to say, holy, uh, uh, you know, wow. Three times during an entire season, struck out 353 at-bats. Joe Sewell. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes Odd Baseball Facts That Are Too Strange To Be Made Up. And with that, I'm going to get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. This is The Stick, presented by... Thinkslinger.org, where words collide. Remember, Thinkslinger.org. Go on over there. Check out all the crazy stories. I do player spotlights, fun Major League Baseball stories, fun baseball stories, and I also write a little bit about my air fryer because I got a lot of cool recipes from my air fryer. So go on over to Thinkslinger.org. Check it out. This is The Stick. I'm your host, Jimmy Flame. Until next time, hit me up on Facebook, Jimmy Flame 77 Twitter, at JimmyFlame77. Check out my business website, House of Fire Productions, video, radio, all that good stuff. In fact, this show is sponsored in part by House of Fire Productions because I can do that sort of thing, right? <laughs> FlamesTheName.com. That's FlamesTheName.com. Until next time, later. <laughs> <laughs>